Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Let's head inside. Jackie Sherrill speaking to the Little Rock Touchdown Club with David Basil. PR guy. Now you, uh, uh, that staff also had Howard Schnellenberger as a coach who obviously turned out to be an amazing coach. You also had Gene Stallings that was on that staff as well, so some great coaches. You had Pat James, Coach Stallings, uh, Coach Schnellenberger, I mean, on and on, and all of them ended up, you know, being great coaches other places. You shared with me something last night that Bear Bryant had said about uh, su- suspending great players. What, what? How did you phrase that? Well, I learned, you know, we always learn from your mentor. Uh, I've learned that you don't get rid of great players. You discipline them, but you don't get rid of great players. You know, he disciplined uh, Joe Namath. You know, kicked him off. Well, removed him from the team. But his his wife, Miss Mary Harmon, uh, she told Joe to come and live in their basement. And so when Coach Bryant got home, she told him, you know, Joe's in our basement. That's where he's going to live. So uh, that's where he lived. <laughs> Speaking of, we got a picture of uh, of, of Joe. Now, you were telling me, now listen, you, you've coached some of the greatest players of all time, but you said this guy was just, uh, including Ken Stabler, even in Alabama, you played with him, Ken, yeah. Pat Sloan, but this guy was, was above all. Joe was the best athlete I ever played or coached, and he ran 4-5. And we had a, a young man that won the 60 in the SEC, and he could not outrun Joe on grass. He could on the track, but not grass. And but he could play. You know, he tore his knee up. We were playing Florida, ran the option, made a cut, and that's put him backwards there. And he and you said he did bump heads with with uh, with Coach Bryant occasionally. Uh, I would say he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, but then not, you, not many would get away with it. That's though. right. He kicked up. Well, then you go from you spent one year as a GA. At Alabama, as you finished, and you decided right. you wanted to, to go to Arkansas. You know, uh, my roommate was Bobby Roper. Bobby Roper is probably, a lot of you remember, was all uh, Southwest Conference defensive end. He came to Alabama as the GA. We were roommates, and I you know, said, well, I'll go to Arkansas. And I went, met Coach Bryant walking into his office one day, and I said, Coach, I'd like, would you call Coach Brawls? And he said, do they have a job? I said, no, sir, I'm going there as a GA. He did not talk to me from that point on because he wasn't happy I was leaving Alabama to go to Arkansas. But he did help me get the the job. Yeah, by the way, too, uh, Coach was the last two-way player for Bear Bryant to play both ways. In that to, group, yes. want to make sure and miss that. Yeah. So, uh, Coach Brawls, I know we got a picture of Coach up here. So, you were one year that, and matter of fact, Barry Switcher you see right there to the right. On that staff, I think we've got that next picture, too, of the 60. This might have been, this was, you see Barry Switcher right there in the middle. Coach Majors, if you're looking at the picture, Coach Majors is the far left, uh, and Coach Switcher's in the middle. So when you got to Arkansas, what did you what did you learn and take away from Coach Brawls? Well, he's Coach Brawls was the best businessman in in coaching I've been around. Uh, he was very intelligent, uh, but he also let the coaches coach. He also let the coaches discipline the players, and 
you know, Wilson. Yeah, so I, when we were na- naming off uh, assistant coaches, and when I mentioned Wilson Matthews, you, your eyes got big and said, oh, yeah, <laughs> from, yeah. Di- from a discipline standpoint. Yeah, and you got some of it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got a hell of a lot. <laughs> and he was uh, – and so so you said Coach Brules, you know, let his assistants do most of the coaching. Talk about what you remember about that one year you were there at Arkansas. Well, you know, he had a great coaching staff. Coach Brawls always would hire coaches that were really good. Uh, you know, he hired Richard Williams who went away from Alabama a few years later. But uh, being around, being organized, Coach Brawls was very organized, very intelligent. But, again, he did the meetings, let the coaches go and get ready for practice, and they ran practice. So you're there one year, and Coach Majors decides that he gets the opportunity to go to Iowa State, and he, he asks you as well as some other pretty darn good coaches to go there. Well, he didn't ask me. I went and asked Coach Majors, and he looked at me and said, what can you coach? And I said, Coach, if you're a coach, you can coach anything. <laughs> yeah, he kind of looked at me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but Coach Brawls got me the job. He Coach Majors went and asked him, and Coach Brawl said, you need to hire him. So you went there, and the other assistants were, you had Jimmy Johnson had was coaching high school. Larry Lacewell, Jimmy Johnson uh, were, the, were there on the same time, and they both became head coaches. Uh, of course, we know Jimmy's uh, record. Uh, but uh, Coach Brawls, Coach Bryant, if you look at their tree, uh, they have tremendous coaching trees and coach majors uh, always later in his life before he passed uh, i think he had the most head coaches of any any coach i'm pretty sure he had 33 former coaches that were head coaches yeah, Coach, you, you remind me a little bit of Coach Majors. So you guys are very successful at Iowa State. Get the opportunity to go to Pitt and talk about that. Now, again, you guys are all Southern guys. And, you know, of course, Coach Majors was a star at Tennessee. So yeah. why Pitt? Which Pitt was very bad at the time. Uh, they were 1-10, 1-10, 1-10. They had won three games in the past three years. The administration, of course, they never will admit it, but – you know, most administrations won't admit anything anyway. So, you know, my wife and my daughter, uh, she's uh, to preference that. My wife's a songwriter, singer, entertainer, but she also is writing a book. And I said, Bonnie, I need to be six foot under before you publish this book. And she looked at me and she said, why? Nobody's paying your salary. So, so nobody, so I can answer that. So, so you go to Pitt, and uh, immediately it, it's it's a different kind of. The towns yes. were different in that area than than maybe different parts of the country. Well, you're any coach that goes, you're 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 there to coach. So being at the town, but Pittsburgh during that time, you know, football with you know Pittsburgh Steelers with baseball. And with Pitt, all three won a national championship at the same time. So it was a great sports town. Uh, but going back uh, to Pittsburgh, we signed that year 76 players. Junior college in four years later is when uh, Pitt won the national championship. One of the key uh, signees, this is uh, Coach Majors. And actually this young man spoke at our uh, touchdown club banquet a few weeks ago, Tony Dorsett. 
uh, what a find he ended up being. And he talked about you going in his mom's kitchen. I think he got the story a little mixed up, right? Well, my mother uh, always made uh, pecan pies. In the south, pecan pies are made with light maple. In the north, they're made with dark maple. So it's a different taste. And so my mother sent me uh, some pies all the time, so I took one to Miss Dorset. And we were in the kitchen, and no one ever went in her kitchen but her and her family. And Tony walked in the door, and he kind of looked, and he, he said, what the hell are you doing here, <laughs> you know, in the kitchen? But uh, you, you always recruit the mother. Uh, you know, we think as, as dads, as dads, we think, you know, we control, but no, that ain't true. But I never recruited a player unless I went into the, saw in presence he with the presence of his mother. I could tell more in five minutes of the kid's character at that time than I could any other way. And if a kid did not respect his mother, uh, I did not recruit him. And I had some kids that that happened. Uh, and but. And even it went the other way, too, where you would get from the high school coach or you'd get something from uh, in the community that the kid was negative on the kid, either his character or his attitude. And one great player we recruited, you know, the coach was saying he got an issue. When I went in the home with he and his mother, he had no issue, and I'm glad I didn't listen to the coaches. I only listened to a coach one time, and that was Jerry Ball. Jerry Ball played for Bo, uh, Port Arthur or Beaumont, uh, and the assistant coach that went to see him said he the, hit the high school coaches said he had an issue. I said, "Don't recruit him." Well, Jerry Ball wanted to come to A&M his whole life. He goes to SMU, great player, All-American, goes and was All-Pro, and he's making every, getting ready to play SMU, watching the film, he's making every tackle from sideline to sideline for 60 minutes. And I called the assistant coach in and I said, any player that goes from sideline to sideline for 60 minutes like and plays like he plays, he doesn't have a character problem. And, it, and then I said, by the way, I'll make those decisions. <laughs> the, uh, you, the crazy thing is that uh, you, you guys recruited all those great players. You left in 76 to coach at Washington State. That was a year that Pitt won the national championship with yeah. Tony Dorsett. So you go to Washington State that one year. Johnny Majors decides to leave after the national championship and go to his alma mater, Tennessee. So they asked you to come back. So only one year at Washington State. Yes. But, you, but you saw the opportunity to come back. Well, you know, Pittsburgh, when we went there, it's uh, at that time with all the steel mills up to both rivers, among Haley and the Allegheny, uh, you had a lot of young people playing football, but also were very, very tough. We went south to get the speed and recruited a lot of kids out of Georgia, Mississippi, and Florida. And I was able to go into Mississippi and recruited Hugh Green. Uh, and then went into Florida and recruited a kid by the name of Ricky Jackson. But we had a lot of kids out of out of the South that gave us the speed, and we were able to 
the senior class was 1980. Uh, David, there were 18 players that went to pro camp. 18. Yeah. You had three consecutive 11 and 1 seasons, right? At yes. those three years. If that head coach had been smarter, we would have been 12 and 0. <laughs> I don't know who in the hell he was. <laughs> well, you, we're talking, uh, and I think we've got a picture of uh, one of the quarterbacks on that team. That's Dan Marino. That's, uh, yeah. So you had Dan Marino. You hadn't even mentioned Mark May, Jimbo Colvert. Uh, Russ Grimm, right? All those guys that part of that eighteen. I mean, they were they're Hall of Famers everywhere. Yeah, and Bill Fralick, Bill Fralick, Jimbo yeah. uh, Covert. You have uh, all five. Well, four out of the five will be in the Hall of Fame. You have two right. now, and Mark will later in life, and same with Bill Fralick. I didn't ask you this last night, but uh, Rex, if you remember, <laughs> Barry Switzer spoke to us probably ten, ten years ago, and. Uh, you know, I asked Barry, I said, you know, the statute of limitations is up. Uh, do you want to share anything about any of your players maybe that took some extra incentive to come? He said, oh, yeah. He said, the, he said, the statute of limitations is up. And he said, he said, uh, and I brought up Keith Jackson because, you know, obviously we wanted to have Keith Jackson in Arkansas. He said, uh, best 20000 ever spent in my career is what he said. <laughs> so I want to give you the statute of limitations is up. Do you want to share anything like Coach Switzer about all those great recruits? Uh, no. <laughs> but 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 I did Barry's a friend still, and I sent Marcus Dupree to Oklahoma, and Barry will tell you the biggest mistake he made. He did not move his mother, and his brother was a handicap handicapped young man. He didn't move them to Oklahoma because Marcus would go home to see his brother and mother on after the game and then he'd come back on sunday then all of a sudden he came back on monday and then he came back on tuesday and barry got upset about it which he should have but he should have married should have brought his mother and, and brother to ou uh, so there's a lot of stories that probably could be published now we have the nli so it doesn't make a damn anymore. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. It's no. all legal now. I, one other story for go to A&M. Uh, talk about the recruitment of Mark May and Joe Paterno. You and Joe sort of got into it a little bit. You want to share that real quick? Well, uh, we probably didn't like each other at that time. And later, Joe invited my wife and I to Penn State for a game at his house. And and I went into his, had me talk to the team, and I went into the, his office, and I said, Joe, I'm a tag-along. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you invited my wife. You didn't invite me. I'm tagging along. And he looked at me, and he said, well, that probably is right. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we were recruiting, and Coach Paterno had Mark, Mark's, and told Mark we couldn't couldn't graduate from Pitt, our kids performance-wise or graduation rate, and I got upset. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, I had a, another coach, Tony Wise, that became really a great offensive line coach for Miami and then the Cowboys. And I told him, I said, go sign my Mark. I said, if you don't sign him, don't come back. And he had all of his clothes packed in his car because he wasn't going to come back. But Mark ended up being a great player, as we know. 
And you actually called Coach Paterno and told him you weren't happy about that. Uh, I called Sunday night, yes. <laughs> so you decided to leave Pitt and, and take the opportunity at Texas A&M. Uh, you got there, and uh, it, success didn't come right off the, the bat. So, no. it, it, but, uh, but you knew it had a lot of potential. Obviously, we, we played those years. We, we talked about the coldest game that you and I both ever participated. It was 1984 in Fayetteville. Right. It was just above freezing, and uh, we, we won that game. Well, the rain was freezing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so you said it was – so we won. If you remember, this is one of the ones we can brag on. We did – Arkansas won, I think, 35 to nothing that game. But it was miserable. And you said you, you, you made the poor decision on where to stay the night before. Well, we stayed up in uh, – Bella Vista. Bella Vista. And, you know, you were staying in cabins. The first thing, and then we had the game at 11 because of the TV, so you get, have to get up at 4. There's no lights outside, none of the players, and we had a, didn't do a good job. We were going to have breakfast at a pancake place in between there in Bella Vista and in Fayetteville. When we got there, they did not have enough personnel to feed all the players, so some of the players didn't get to eat. But it started sleeting, and it was cold. Uh, we made a mistake. Well, the mistake was we the quarterback that started, we put him out of the game, and the backup quarterback, we couldn't stop him. And at halftime, David, that was the first time I had nothing to say. <laughs> Just wanted to get out. Just wanted to get out of town. Oh yes. The uh, so, but uh, you got to tell us about the twelfth man. For those that don't know, that was something that the tradition has started back in 1922 with one student who was willing to go on the field and and uh, be there in case the team needed him. But you thought maybe that you saw a vision of what the twelfth man could be even bigger than that. Yeah, in 1922, King Gill was a football basketball player, but he didn't go to the Cotton Bowl playing. Uh, it's back then was the Dixie Classic, and they were losing some players getting hurt. So they asked him to come out of the stands. And he did one. I mean, out of the stands, he went under the stands, changed, and got dressed in uniform. Stood on the sideline, and so from that point on, at Texas A&M, that's why the students stand the whole game uh, because of the twelfth man. Uh, fast forward. Uh, a player came in my office, broke in my office, and he said, well, he, he actually did, ran right by the secretary and burst the door open. And he said, do you want to be uh, the head coach or do you want to be just another head coach? And so he challenged me and put me in the off and walk. That's another tradition. So he took me to the bonfire and, and put me up, and I was working on the bonfire. But I saw the Red Pots pass their hats with a hand pick the other red pot to work on the bonfire and when I saw him take the licks with the axe handle I said there's 40,000 students here that are very tough and also have no regard for their body I can find kids that can cover kickoffs so you got you decided to you got it for you started with David Bill. Yeah, two hundred fifty-two. You put out a request, said yeah, no experience needed. Put it in the student newspaper. No required, uh, no experience required, and there was two hundred and fifty-two showed up, two females, and David was in charge. David Bill, 
and we whittled that down to 40, and so 40 came out to spring practice, and then the first year there were 17, and then from then after we had had 40, but as a coach, you can imagine having 40 extra bodies at, at spring practice, how it really helped the football team because they didn't have to go against each other. They could go against the 12th man. And, but they were good, David. They, their average for five years, it was 12.5. The longest was like 28 yards until we played Bo Jackson in the Cotton Bowl, and he went out to the 43. Think about this. So what he's saying there is this is what drives me nuts because I played special teams. Every kickoff, that's the farthest the return was, was 12 yards. And the first year, the first year you did the 12th man, the kickoff coverage was number one in the nation. Yes. At, at that amount, at 12.8 yards, the first year. And so that was a really neat thing. For five years. For five they, years, yeah. yeah. They were either number one or in the top three. And now they continue that tradition with, with just one player wearing yeah. the number 12, right? Now, when I told the staff the next morning from the bonfire, and I told the staff what I wanted to do, no one liked it. Our seed said, Coach, I think you fell off that stack and uh, so R.C. did not like it, and they go to West Texas playing Texas Tech, and they ran a kickoff back, and then that's when he decided the only one. You uh, then uh, uh, obviously your next stop was uh, Mississippi State. Yes, and uh, became the all-time. We have a cow back here. Yeah, They'll I know. Ring that cowbell. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead, look at it. He's got. <laughs> now, as. When I went there, everybody in the conference was raising cane about the cowbells. And at that time, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee piped in music. And, of course, at Alabama, you still hear the during the game and before the game, they used the PV speakers. At Tennessee, they would line the field with the big PV speakers, that's the rock band speakers. And on their side, it would be facing the stands. On the visitor side, it's facing the field. So you couldn't talk. So playing at Pittsburgh, we brought a team into Tennessee, Coach Majors, and I was coaching at Tennessee. And I gave our security guys wire cutters. And I and I said, cut the speaker wires. Well, he did, but he cut them too early. They repaired them. <laughs> and I said, right before kickoff, cut them again. He did. So we didn't have to hear the rocky top. <laughs> but now Tennessee, you know, so it was back and forth. It raised and came about cowbells. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. I said, you've got schools piping in music and piping in so at at tennessee playing rocky top the band there's no way in hell you can hear rocky top band played by the band with a hundred thousand people talking or, or singing but now they have speakers all the way around the mezzanine so it's still loud the uh <laughs> The, the last picture here I'm going to show up there. For those who don't know this story, I'm just it's put the picture up. And for those who, who know the story. Now, are you so, going to do this? Yeah, I, you know i got to do it, Coach, because some people don't know this story. And so now, uh, you have ladies here. Now. That's okay. Listen, now, this, these, are, these, are all far, these are all farm families. Now, so you also have some. <laughs> 
My mother's here. Mother's okay with it. So um, you guys were getting ready to play Texas. You'd already been at Texas A&M. And so you decided to do some educational. You termed this was educational and motivational, I believe, is what when the president called you into his office to ask why you had done this. Yeah, right? He, yeah, he wasn't very happy. <laughs> so explain the story to everybody also, heard it. Also, the feds came down. The feds? Yeah, and for a week. And when he left, he came in my office and smiled and said, I'll see you. But well, real quick, for those that are listening, uh, we just I put a picture of, uh, of a bull of, uh, up there, and you guys were playing the Texas Longhorns, and you can go from there. In the meeting, I asked our players, did anybody know what a steer is? Because, you know, Texas steer – and I'll say this. Do you know how much tranquilizers they have to give that steer from running wild? They give him a bunch, but that's okay to the pub, uh, to them. But anyway, so I asked if anybody knew what a steer was. Players know from Mississippi and Alabama. We're going to practice. We had one person that was Jimmy Hems that played at Texas on the staff. And we're going to practice. One of the managers runs up to me and says, Coach, uh, we're in the cattle business. We do 25, 30 a day. Uh, would you like my father? And I said, sure. Well, they bring the bull. And, and, and there was a track girl running across the field. And she tells her mother, and her mother worked at the vet school. That's how it went public. And Jim Lampley called me, and I said, Jim, do you know what a steer is? He said, no. I said, well, you do now. <laughs> now, I, I use this when somebody brings it up. David, for your information, I carry a little knife. It's sharp as hell. <laughs> you know, and I will tell you, I show you in three seconds. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> But the, and the moral of the story is you you beat Texas like twenty eight to ten. You whipped them, right? Yes. And uh, and so then then that's when the, everybody started PETA, not PETA, but the, the vet, the, the president, all wanted to see what you had to say about it. Well, and the the feds. The feds. <laughs> yeah, and it was a big deal. Uh, I didn't really think it was but i wasn't smart enough to know so not to ask just go no. ahead and, and do it and ask for yeah. forgiveness i wasn't very was. welcomed at the vet school <laughs> uh how many times by the way did you beat texas at either a m or uh... yeah we beat them seven years in a row you know, we seven were years four, in a row. yeah yeah wow. yeah well, this crowd likes that that's, yeah. that's a positive uh, well i can't you know texas i can say this Judy, you understand this. The reason the South and Coach Brawls was extremely intelligent as a businessman, but at that time, going all the way back, Texas dissolved the radio network that we had. Jim Host came in and out of Ark, out of Kentucky, and he was going to do the radio of the Southwest Conference. Coach Brawls went to the state legislature, had them a vote that every radio station in the state could carry Arkansas Network football. And here in Little Rock, everywhere else, if you in the city, 
then you could have one station. But here in Little Rock, I think all the stations carried Arkansas football. So I wouldn't sign the contract because host gave Texas an unfair advantage. Texas signed, paid host 600000 They Host would pay the assistant coaches, and but they would use the satellite. The satellite back then cost 5000 per hour, but they gave it to them for 100 or 200 an hour for their coaches' show and their coaches' TV show. I wouldn't sign the contract. So they had a special meeting because it was an unfair advantage. They had a special meeting, and during the meeting they told me, I was the AD as well, they told me if, if I didn't sign the contract, I couldn't, we couldn't go to the Cotton Bowl. And I said, that's fine. We'll go to the orange or sugar. They didn't like that. But but anyway, we ended up, I wouldn't sign it, and ended up signing it. And I told Jim, he asked me what it would take. I said, it's very simple. You write a letter to everybody in the conference that you did, in fact, give Texas an unfair advantage.